So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back in fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Now, that was the ESV, the NET and the NASB use the word, rather than debtors, they go, you're obligated. But the key part is, we're not obligated to the flesh anymore. We were bought with a price. So today we're going to be talking about adoption. Whenever you talk about adoption, one must be very careful. Because it can be such a raw subject. Sometimes when it comes to adoption, uh, the, the thinking is, well, here's a kid that doesn't have a home, and their parents didn't love them, so here's this loving family that swoops in. That's not true. So uh, my mama, Charmaine Collins, south side Chicago, the hood, as we like to say, gave me up, gave me up with my siblings. She loved us so much, but she could not provide a home. And she was very thankful that I was blessed to be in foster care and went to a Christian family. So when we talk about adoption, we have to be careful, right? So we're not just going to talk about this physical adoption of what we see in our country, but we're going to talk about spiritual adoption. We're going to pack that adoption is at the core of the gospel, at the very core. We're going to pack the cost of adoption. We're talking about the DNA that makes up spiritual adoption. And then when we land the plane in the fact of you are part of the family of God, then we'll go to, so what does that mean? So what is adoption in a physical sense? Well, it's a, adoption is, I looked this up, give the actual definition. Adoption is a social, emotional, and legal process in which children who will not be raised by their birth parents become full and permanent legal members of another family. Adoption could be part of your story. It's definitely part of my own. And ideally, adoption offers opportunities. Let's say there's some, uh, some places where food is not available, right? So you have these kids who are being adopted who are underweight. Opportunities for further education. They're given a, ideally, a safe home. Now, there's sometimes where your adopted family, if you are been adopted, I'm not sure how many people are, it is not perfect. Well, that's because when it comes to humans, we fall short. So the ideal is that a child will end up in a home that loves them and likes them, will provide food and water, and they're given more than that, they're given a name. Makes me think of uh, this movie called Django Unchained. Pretty wild movie. But there's a scene where Django is uh, freed, and he goes to this, uh, this beautiful store, and he's allowed to wear what he wants to wear for the very first time. 
He's allowed to wear what he wants to wear for the very first time, and he looks dope. He looks so cool. He has this uh, sports jacket that's this uh, baby powder blue. He has the cool black boots, and he's going to go save his wife that's stuck on this other plant, on this plantation. And why I bring this up is there's this moment of when you are adopted, you're giving a name, you're, you're giving a new life. You're given a legacy. So the idea of adoption, so I was in foster care, right? And then it was, I was eight years old. Uh, Mama had us at the DC, DCFS. Goodness, here we go. And she unpacked that. She was going give, to give up her parental rights. For me as a small kid, I didn't quite understand what was happening. My big brother was in tears, though. But I knew that I was going to be able to stay on the farm a little longer. And that sounded like a lot of fun. It wasn't until a year later when I got adopted and Judge Defonis, who just retired in 2020 back in the state of Illinois, which is my home, decreed legally that John Mel Lee Collin is no more. He's from now on John Collin Hughes. That's why I go by John C., right? So we're talking about this physical adoption, but really I want to focus on today biblical adoption. This biblical adoption is the act of God's free grace, whereby we are received into the number and have the right to all the privileges of the sons of God. As scripture affirms, forgiven sinners do not enter Christ's kingdom as mere paupers. We are royal sons, members of the family of God, siblings of the king, of kings, brothers of whom he is not ashamed. I'll stop the car real fast. One of the things when you're adopted, at least for me, I can't speak for everyone, every time I see the family picture, I always know I'm adopted. It's because my parents happen to be vanilla, as one might say. So it's easy. It wasn't like I was 13, and they're like, ah, we got to tell him. (laughs) Hopefully he's picked up on it. No, like, I always felt on the outside, even though my parents did the best of their ability to bring me in to the family, they were not ashamed of me. When it comes to our king, it's not the fact that there's this VIP section that he's like, you can be in, but you're not all the way in. He, He wants you completely into the VIP section. So also, I want to be super honest with you guys. Sometimes when I read scripture, I bring my agenda to the floor. My agenda this time was, every time I saw sons of God, I'm like, well, sh- what about sons and daughters? Well, we have to, I have to remember and humble myself that the Bible is written in the ancient times. And here's the key. Sons were the only legal heirs. And men and women in our day, because of what Christ did at the cross, are brought in to be sons. Legal, legal errors. So adoption is at the core of the gospel. We'll go uh, John 1, uh, 12 through 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in, it, in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So this is the gift, adoption, and it comes at a cost. What is that cost? For for Christians, it's the cross. 
It's important when we talk about the gospel here at Door of Hope that we don't just preach grace, we preach Jesus who died on the cross and rose again and conquered death. It's the cross. It's where the world can look at our faith and be like, y'all are crazy because there's this cross. It seems like his ministry was a failure. He died. But we can quickly respond, we have hope. So jumping back to physical adoption. So I'm nine years old, glorious day, get adopted, eating the waffles. At this moment of kind of feeling lonely though, because I'm like, I'm like, I will end up not seeing my blood family from nine to about 20. It's a huge swath. So I'm like, I'm going to miss my family. Like, it was kind of an emotional day, obviously, right? But it wasn't until about, I was age 17, I realized the cost of adoption. And so did my parents. So my parents, simple pig farmers in East Central Illinois, right? And so they were not able to have kids. So they did foster care. So when I was six years old, they were supposed to get a nine-year-old, but they sent the wrong kid. So here I am. And in the next three years, they had 18 different kids come through. And my parents had this heart where if you came into the home, they want to adopt you. Like if that was an option, that's what they do. Which worked out great for me, right? But it wasn't until I was 17 in, let's say, quick math, about eight to nine years of living at the Hughes house, right? They, were, they adopted my brother Michael, my brother Duncan. When he was two days old, he came to the home. But then they were surprised with kids of their own. This beautiful, beautiful little boy named Mason. It's like the best. Then uh, my little sister Shelby, two years later. Like once again, my parents weren't able to have kids. This was very surprising. So we're always treated the same. There's always a celebration, but it was also a little, little bit different. So for me, on the outside looking in, always looking at the picture of being like, I really kind of feel on the outside. But my great grandma, who is a sweet, or was a sweet, godly woman, she was overjoyed to have even more great grandkids. But we went to this celebration at her house, uh, and she wanted to take this uh, picture, and it, the huge generation picture. So my adopted dad is the oldest son of the oldest son of my great-grandma. And she wanted to take this picture with my little brother, Mason, right? Which logically, it made sense. This kid is your flesh and blood. He looks just like you. And already with me outside looking in, being like, I'm adopted, so I'm just blessed to be adopted, happy to be here, and, you know, beats foster care nine times out of ten. And, um, yeah, so I wasn't going to be in the picture, right? But my adopted dad, who I have a unique relationship with, some of my biggest wounds have come from my adopted dad. But in that moment, he refused to take the picture without me. That is the spirit of adoption. That is the spirit of Abba Father that we're going to be unpacking today. It's a fact of my father in that moment understood the cost. It's all right bringing a kid in, but it's the fact of, for better or worse, my legacy, my name, I give everything to you. Which is wild, because is that not the gospel? Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
then Romans 8, 15 through 17, the main section that we'll be hanging out in. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Sometimes life will give you something, like a taste of something, but then as we pour it into scripture and realize what God did, that's the full flavor. So in that sweet moment of my adopted dad being like, he may not look like me, but he's mine. And that's worth the cost. Even though that there's this kid that I also love that looks just like me that we waited all these years to actually have. He's mine. I got a name and I got this legacy. Now, it's not a bright legacy. Like, I wasn't adopted by the King of England. <sighs> Dang it. Simple pig farmers, but they're good people who love Jesus. So, three aspects of adoption, spiritual adoption I want to unpack tonight, today. There's adoption and justification. When you are justified by Christ, that is part of the adoption. There's adoption and sanctification and adoption in, in identity. And in my thinking, it's the justification and sanctification that intertwines to make up the DNA of what adoption is in our king of kings eyes. Adoption and justification. Justification reckons with our guilt so that we are, blessed, uh, we are blessedly forgiven in Christ. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. That's Psalms 32, 1 through 2. Justification affirms our right standing before God and, before God and through Christ Jesus. We cannot be justified without our Jesus dying. Not an option. So if you want to get to the Father, you have to go through the Son. Adoption describes how justified sinners are... Uh, how, how do we do this one? We've got to think of the Roman... In the Roman world, you have these emperors who would need an heir to pass on the, you know, the empire, I guess. is the best way to say it. And if they couldn't have, if they couldn't have kids of their own, they would adopt someone. And when they would die, it wouldn't be the fact of like, the guy comes to the power, the son comes to power and is like, yeah, but you're no Caesar. It's the fact of, no, legally, this is my son and I pass everything to you. So when it comes to our faith, believing in Jesus, when we think about, let's say, Revelations 21 and the new, new Jerusalem like descending and this new world that's uh, being promised and how there will be no more tears and no more pain, no more sorrows over there, right? That is what's going to be given to us, but we get something more grand. We get to have the Holy Spirit within us, which leads us to adoption and sanctification. Then also, let's do 2 Timothy 2.12. If we endure, we will also reign with him. And if we deny him, he will deny us. There's no choices in this. Adoption and sanctification, a core feature of the Spirit's ministry is producing holiness in our lives, in the lives of God's people. For with a view to perfection of our future and full conformity to the image of Christ. So the goal of the Holy Spirit, one of the goals of the Holy Spirit is to 
help us become more like Christ. So you can't just be justified and like, okay, I want Jesus, but I don't want the Holy Spirit. No, you have to have the Holy Spirit. And what's wild when we think about Abba Father, like what that means, it's this cry that we see in Mark that Jesus makes in the garden when he's saying, Abba Father. And he goes on to say, may this cup, the cross, be like moved away. May he not take it. But Abba Father shows there's this submission. So there's this intimacy, there's this closeness between Jesus and the Father, but also there's the submission. How do we know this? Because he still went to the cross. And the early church clung on to this phrase, Abba Father. It's what our Savior said, and it's what we should be saying as well. So Romans 8, 29, because of those whom he foreknew, so he also predestined to uh, be conformed to the image of his son, and his son would be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. So Paul is pointing out that Jesus is the firstborn, and as the Holy Spirit works on us, is sanctifying us, we're becoming one of the many brothers and sisters that uh, God knew about before the beginning of time. Key part of sanctification, it's, uh, it's not by what we do. I think sometimes, I, I'll, at least I'll be honest, I miss that part. So like I'm a good Baptist boy, so King James Bible, uh, suits on Sunday, no tat, oh no. <laughs> I want to look good. I want to check off all the boxes of what it means to be a Christian. I want to be like Christ. But if I do not surrender the Holy Spirit and understand that the cry, Abba, Father, is not natural to me. Now, I may understand adoption in a unique way because I've lived through it. But this spiritual adoption, this cry for Abba, Father, can only happen through the Holy Spirit. Hence, we go back to Romans. And Romans speaks about the work of the, the Spirit. Then we have adoption and identity. By the work of the spirit of adoption, the children of God grow in the holiness of Christ. You are his. His stamp is on you. So as in my life, whenever I sign something, it's always John C. Hughes. That's that's Hughes' stamp, for better or worse. I am theirs. His stamp, if you are a child of God, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, is on you. You are his. He's jealous for you. Loves like a, like a hurricane. Adoption includes more of the what of Christ's work, yet by exposing the key, the key kingdom's privileges of the royal family. So we're being brought into as citizens, not just citizens, sons who are heirs to this kingdom. Adoption exposes our lavish spiritual identity. Children of God, brothers of Christ, joint heirs with him and co-regents in his kingdom. And the sad reality, I have to be honest about, is I keep my head way too low in the light of that beautiful truth. I keep my head way too low in the light of that beautiful truth. Because when Romans is saying you're not obligated to the flesh anymore, When we're talking about the cry of Abba, Father, that is not a cry of lament. It's a cry of good news. There is hope. You are his. Everything that was promised to the son, you get to enjoy too. 
because he paid the cost. He does not write checks that bounce. It's not what he's about. So what I'm trying to like wrestle with you guys today and as we leave is how do we change our thinking from keeping our eyes down low, our head low, living in like this darkness when we actually have the best news ever. You're the child of the king. That's easy to say, but when you actually slow down and look at scripture and see what our Christ did, that's incredible news. We have this freedom. We have this, his name, and we have this legacy. And it talks about in Revelations 2.17 that we each get a name that's in secret that only he knows. So uh, one of the many things that we do on staff is other than like serving Jesus and like drinking as much coffee as possible is we argue about movies. I know. So I have this uh, quote by Dom Toretto. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Oh, wrong quote, my bad. I don't, <laughs> I don't have friends around here, I have family. I don't have friends around here, I have family. That is key. When it comes to the family of God, there are no friends. So when it comes to the element of you've been hurt by the church, I've been hurt by my own family. So there should be more of a responsibility when it comes to those who serve in leadership in that this isn't just like I'm hurting a friend, but I'm hurting one of God's children, and we're, we're in this together. And it's also kind of fun to think about, well, last 2,000 years, how the church has grown from Christ ascending, and then you have like the 12 apostles or disciples, and it has gone all over the world. I was blessed to go to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and I had friends from Angola and Romania and South Korea and the exotic place called Ohio, like all over the place. And the thing that united us, even though culturally we're all so different, one of my favorite uh, memories is I was sitting at this table and a dear friend of mine was sitting next to me and she looked at one of my buddies who's wearing a American flag uh, made of AK-47 hoodie. And they started having this conversation about gun control, and which didn't quite, both people were very mature, so it didn't get quite heated, but it just blew my mind because this kid's from Iowa. Cornfields, all respect to Iowa, but it is just cornfields. <laughs> which is so hypocritical because that's Illinois, just we have Chicago. And, but then uh, my other friend's from uh, California, so like different culture. But what unites us is Jesus. And one of the sweetest things was when we'd have chapel, and we'd have about, whew, about a thousand kids from all over the world. And the thing that united us was our Savior. He gave us different gifts, different stories, but he, knew our, he knows our name. So we're given a name, his stamp is on us, and we're given a mission. The mission is to make more disciples, is share the good news that you are not alone. Even if you feel, keyword, feel like it is. Because when your feelings rule, that's when we need to turn back to Scripture and have that shine a light on who God is. So, you're children of God, right? You're bought with a price. He doesn't write checks that bounce. Adoption's at the core of the gospel, so you're justified. 
you're sanctified, you have this common identity with Christians all over the world, even if we do not agree on everything, we have these core values, right? That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He did die, he did rise. That he is the full member of the Trinity. There's these key pillars, for lack of a better word, of our faith. And there's other things where we can just disagree on. So what are unique ways that here at Dwarf Hope, we're a family, for better or worse? We're kind of messy in some ways, but also a lot of fun. We try to be consistent with how we preach the gospel in almost every single sermon. We preach the cross because it matters, not just for the person who has not heard it before, but also for the person where this is, this is the, there's the thousandth time of hearing it, and it just hits different that one time. So what are unique ways that you can be a part of this family, it's like live boldly into this spirit of adoption? Well, Alpha is one. Uh, Zion did a really good job announcing it earlier. Uh, Alpha is a unique ministry that's going to be launching in the fall that is a very conversational style with unbelievers, and we provide meals. So maybe like you guys can help out with that. We have community groups launching in the fall. And I'm not bringing up these things so that you guys can, can check off a box of, well, you know, I go to church now, so I got to do these things. God's stamp of love and approval is on you, whether you do those things or not. But if you want to experience the beauty of being a family here at Door of Hope, which is part of the larger family of God throughout the world and through world history, there's unique ways where you guys can step up and serve, but also step up and allow yourself to be loved. There's early morning prayer. One of the coolest things, I'd say one of the most consistent things outside of us preaching the cross in my, entering my third year here is prayer. We have early morning prayer. We have uh, 21 now, like 31 days straight of prayer that we announce from time to time. Mel and Jean and several others do such a lovely job of shepherding that ministry. The goal is that we're spending time together because we're family. We are his So I uh, spent some time in uh, Moldova, uh, in Eastern Europe, learned the, the, the best black tea in the world is Russian black tea. I'm not sure if you guys know. I think it's uh, Tsar Nicholas. It's uh, very good. But then also I found the wonder of uh, Romanian f- food, Fuate Bini, very good. But it was me traveling across the world. And guys, I was like really homeschooled like really homeschooled. Like, it's like wild how homeschooled I was. So I, I land in Eastern Europe. I remember I was in this, uh, this cab and this guy's like yelling on the phone and I'm like, this guy must hate whoever he's talking to. And then he ends the call with love you papa and blew a kiss. I was like, oh. So I spend the next three months in Eastern Europe at this church in Chisinau, Moldova. The foundation of the church was uh, during the time of communism, they had to hide their faith. So they'd meet secretly to have baptisms. Most of the fathers in the church had all spent time in jail for their faith. So the kids I got to hang out with, my age, they, that, they, 
Their faith was so real to them. Community meant everything. They uh, spoke Romanian and Russian. So Easter would be Christos vas Christ. So Christ is risen, Christ is risen indeed. And then, uh, so you'd have someone preach in Romanian and then someone to translate in Russian. Or it'd be uh, at the end of every service, they'd ask, is anyone visiting? And then also, what church are you a part of so we can pray? Because where we in the West would use that excuse to be separate, and the fact of, ah, oh, well, we can have a Romanian church and a Russian church, and well, we can have a young person church, they just want to be together because they understood the cost of what they went through. So they welcomed me in. I spoke so little Russian and Romanian, but I picked up on a couple of things pretty fast. But they wanted to hang out with me so much that they, their young people had this, like, this church choir, and they toured the country. So on the weekends, they'd go to different churches and sing. But they, wanted, they had me go with them, and I can't sing. And they'd have me be up there with them while they sang, and I'd try to sing. And I don't speak Russian or Romanian. But for them, that's what family meant. It did not matter what my skin color was. It did not matter what my culture was. It's the fact of, if you lift up Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're my brother. You're my sister. And when I think about just the sweetness that they... Like, that's really why I got into community, was, um, like, at that time, I was going to leave the faith. I just felt pretty, like, hurt from everything that happened with adoption and life. But then, here's these people who actually had, in the world's eyes, not a lot of reason to be happy, just cling to Jesus and had a reason to live for him. That inspired me so much that I was like, I need to come back to the States and go to Bible college. That's actually what started the whole thing, was this small church in Chisinau, Moldova. So as we land the plane, I'm not sure where you guys are. Your story is a privileged here, not a right. Some of you may be hearing the story of adoption and just it, it makes sense what Christ did. And walking boldly, living boldly into the light of that has been so easy. And if that's true for you, that is awesome. But for some of you, that's hard to swallow. And when I thought, when I was thinking about adoption, I think of like a kid just being by himself and then just having like a, some, a mom or dad may not look like them, grab his hand and say, it's okay, I'm gonna walk with you. And that's what happens with spiritual adoption. So there's this uh, Rev, Reverend uh, Thomas Dorsey from Southside Chicago. He's the father of uh, black gospel music. He wrote a song. He wrote a song right after he lost his wife and his son, baby son, in childbirth. I think sometimes when we talk about things in the Bible, we, we have these deep theological moments and we try to unpack things, we don't understand that there's shrapnel in life and it hurts. And there's moments where you may doubt, God, where are you? If I am your son and I get all that's promised, like I'm the heir, then why is life so hard? Well, our king doesn't promise that life would be easy, but he promises to be with us, hence the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to close with this. Precious Lord, take my hand. 
lead me on, let me stand. I'm tired, I'm weak, I'm worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on, through the light. Take our hand, precious Lord, lead us home. When our way grows dreary, and precious Lord, lead us near, when our lives is almost gone. At the river, we'll stand, guide our feet, hold our hand. Take our hand, precious Lord, lead us home. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for this beautiful group. I'm not sure where everyone's at with uh, family and adoption. I'm not sure just the pain of life, how that's been dealt out, but I know you're there. You want to hold your hand. I pray that um, as we enter this time of worship, those who need to be moved to be prayed, that prayer just to, to affirm just the good news that they are yours and your stamp is on them and nothing can take them away. We move to pray. I pray that as we move into this one service that's packed, that we just are thankful that we're together. We're family. Amen.